read about this gracious Father, this gracious Father that we've encountered here this morning. We've sung about Him, we've prayed to Him, we've heard, the, we've heard this introduction. Now let's go and read about Him in His Word. Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells His parables to the religious leaders because these religious leaders saw the sinners gathering around Jesus and they complained about it. And so Jesus addresses their hearts. Let's look at what He says to them. Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to read from verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she find it. And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I'd lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he, all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brothers come. 
And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the son was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. In other versions you might have, and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and to be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. What an amazing passage. Now the danger for you and I is, we've heard this over and over, right? Who has never heard this parable before? Put up your hands. Right, you've all heard it. The danger for you and I is that we've heard it before and so, yeah, I know what it's about and your ears close. You see, the the Pharisees had heard Jesus' teachings over and over. But their ears were closed. And so when the sinners and the tax collectors gathered around Jesus, they got angry because their ears were closed to his pleading message, come to me. Max Licardo, and some of you might have read some of his books, says about this story, he, he sums it up in this way, he says, And listen, at some point in life, God's love must move from being a concept we wonder about to a conscious experience that transforms our lives. We've heard it, but has it transformed our lives? God's love keeps coming even when we have covered our shame and disappointment with this veneer of carefree rejection. Somewhere and somehow, God's love will move us. Here's the question. But will we go along with it? I pray that this morning, God's love will move you. And I pray through His Spirit that you will move along with Him. You see, this story we've read about, this parable that Jesus tells these religious leaders is one about the pride of the religious as opposed to God's grace towards the repentant. And that comes out over and over as we look at this father and his attitude. So I've got six words here I want to put to you to try and help you through the story, to try and help us track. They all start with R. You got it? Not hard. The first one is this one, rebellion. Verses 11 and 12. You see, here this young son comes. And on a day he says, Father, give me what's coming to me. Now, in the, in the Eastern context of that time, that was extremely, extremely rude and disrespectful. No son would ever tell their father that. Ever. And yet, Jesus says, this young man comes and he says to his father, Father, give me what's coming to me. I want all one third of it. The eldest son gets two-thirds. That's Jewish law. You can look in Deuteronomy. But the younger son gets a third of the property. Now, when you read, especially the New Living, the New King James Version, it says here that his father, he was taking his father's livelihood away from him. 
By asking his father for his food, right then, he was taking his father's livelihood from him. Why? You see, his father now had to go and liquidate his assets. Those of you parents, you'll know, you just don't have cash floating around. If your children come to say, I want a third of everything you're going to give me, one day you pop your clogs. You can't just hand them out money, right? You've got to liquidate your assets. And so this father has to start selling some of his properties. And his properties are his livelihood, especially those days with, with animals. But he does. And he gives his son his third portion. And on a day, says our text, the son moved away and he went to a far country. You see, he had this lie in his head If I just have more freedom, it'll make me happy. Teenagers, are you listening to me? I've been there once. I know. There are many teenagers who get to that stage in life and you think, if I can just get out under my mum and dad, I will be happy. If I haven't got all these rules around me all the time, I'll be happy. Adults, we might even think that. And so, this lie is put into this young man's mind. If I can have freedom, I'll be happy. And so, against all good manners, he goes to his father. He gets his money and then he turns his back on his own family. He turns his back on his own culture. And in those days when you did that, you were as good as dead. He walks out of his country and into a far country. He goes and lives among the Gentiles. Now, if you understand anything about the Jewish culture to go and live among the Gentiles, you were defiling yourself. But he does. That's how much he wants his freedom. Rebellion. What happens to this young man? Verse 13 to 16 tells us. He went, he took his inheritance and he went and squandered it in wild living. His brother gives us a little clue later. He says, you just go, your son just went and lived among the prostitutes. He spent all his money. Among these prostitutes. You know the old rule. If you've got money, you've got friends, right? But let your money run out and watch your friends disappear. Friends. Well, exactly the same. This young man goes out. He's got a lot of money because he's got a third and it would have been a sizable portion. And he goes and squanders it. He goes and blows it. And his friends blow it with him. And then on a day, he realizes, I've got nothing. And the worst is that a famine has come upon the land. Now, in these parables, one of the tricks of the parable was to drive it to an extreme. And that's what Jesus is doing here. A famine came upon the land. And here's this young man. He's got no more money in his pockets. And this famine descends on the land. Empty purse. Empty stomach, empty life. What now? And so he looks for work. There's one good thing to be said. He looks for work. Because if he didn't find work, he'd die. And the only work he can find is to go and feed pigs. Jewish context? No. You don't feed swine. They are unclean and by touching them, associating with them, you become unclean. Ceremonially, You cannot come before the Lord until you are clean. And that's not all. 
He gets so hungry, he says, I wish I could eat some of these carobs that they're feeding these pigs. Now, I don't know what carobs taste like. I know what cattle feed tastes like. I've tasted that. I like to experiment with these things. And that doesn't taste nice at all. But what they were feeding the pigs, I can't imagine that. And so he was, he was not just dirty on the outside, he was even feeding himself this unclean food. Do you see? He was in a dark hole. He was in a really dark hole. And as usually happens when we're in dark holes in life, there's time for reflection, isn't there? You can start thinking about your life. You can start thinking about decisions you've made in life. You can start thinking about, if I'd only done this, then that might have happened. And usually, when the Lord is working in your life, you'll start thinking about your spiritual condition. Why am I where I am? God, if you're there, speak to me. I can't help myself anymore. He has time for reflection. And you might be one of those this morning. You might be going through a time where you're wondering about life. You might even be wondering about the Christian life because you've been walking it all these years. And you're starting to wonder, is this for real? And you might be descending into this hole. That's where he is. But then... He comes to his senses. He's, he's down in the depths of depression, but he comes to his senses. Literally, his eyes are opened. And he realizes what he's done. He realizes, look what he realizes. He realizes, I have sinned against what? I've sinned against God. Not just my father. I've been selfish. And that means I've been selfish before God. He had been taught all these things as a boy. He's a Jewish boy. He knew he had sinned against heaven. He had sinned against God. But not just that. He had sinned against his father. And he realizes that his condition is far worse than the hired servants, the daily servants who come and ask for work at a farm. The ones who have no rights at all, who can only expect the job for the day. After that, there's nothing. They can't expect food, any rights, nothing. They just want work for that day. He says... Their lot is better than, than mine. I know my father. My father's a good father. He would give them food. And yet here I am with nothing. I will go back to my father. He realizes who his father is. He's a good father. I've been ungrateful and selfish. And so he's got this resolve. I will put myself at his service, at his mercy, with no strings attached. I don't even expect to be called his son. And so he comes to this point of, here's your next R, are you ready for it? After reflection comes repentance. But, hold that thought. Because today we don't quite understand what repentance means. You see the text says, so he got up and went to his father. He didn't just sit in that hole, he didn't just sit in that condition, recognize what he'd done and feel sorry for himself. He actually went and did something about it. You see, repentance, and I put it up here for you. Repentance means recognition of what you've done. It means feeling sorry for what you've done. And then it means doing something. That is what repentance is. Too often in our system today and in our justice system, they'll concentrate on the first two. Recognition of what you've done, remorse for what you've done, and that's it. 
You go pay a few years, but they don't expect you to fix up. Too much of that is happening. And we tend to get the same mindset in our Christian lives. But the Lord says, no, you recognize what you've done. There's remorse for it and there must be real remorse. And then do something. Come to me or do something to fix up with someone. That is true repentance. The son gets up and goes to his father. Now, that sounds easy, right? He goes to his father. Where was he? In a far country. What car did he have to drive? No car. He had to walk. What energy did he have? No energy. No food. It was a long journey back. And I can imagine when he got close to home, he was fairly exhausted and at the end of his tether. Because along the way, who would give him anything? But look at the reception from his dad. There's your next R. And this is the crux of the story. You see, the story shouldn't be called the prodigal son. It should be called the gracious and loving father. Because it's all about the father. And that's what Jesus is trying to point out to these Pharisees. It's all about the gracious father. What is the father's response to this ungracious son? You see, the father could have insisted on his rights. Listen, sonny laddie. You asked for your money. I gave it to you. Now, stay away. He could have. He could have even gone further in the Jewish context there. He could have, by Old Testament standards, he could have stoned his son because of his rebellion. He was allowed to do that. He would call him before the elders of the city and he could be stoned. He could be sent to prison for what he had done because he would stolen from his father. But is that the father's response? Look at this father. This father was keeping a lookout for his son every single day. That's the implication there. Because when his son was a far way off, and they didn't have binoculars those days, he would have probably sent messengers to stay along the way. And the the soonest they saw that son, they would send word. And so he knew his his son was coming. And so he kept a lookout. And the moment he saw his son... Picture this now, alright? An old guy in a cloak. He lifts up that cloak and he runs. Now, in, in the Near Eastern context of those days, an old dude didn't run. It was not dignified. You didn't do it. You walked. You walked in a dignified way. He didn't think about these protocols. He saw his son. He knew much how, how much he loved him. And he ran to his son at full tilt. I don't care about protocols. I love my son. Do you see his heart? And then when he gets to his son, his son starts making excuses. But father, he cuts right through him. He says to his son, he says to his servants, bring the best robe we have. Now every family would have a robe for the guest of honor. It was a beautiful robe. And they would put it on this person and they would be the guest of honor. He says, bring me the best robe we have. They knew what to do. And there they come with a, with a robe. He puts it on his son. He says to them, bring me the ring. Now it's not just any old fiddly ring that you buy at the two dollar shop. This would be a family signet ring. The one that they used for contracts. The one that everyone in town would recognize he is the son of someone. You see, that ring entitled him to all the rights and privileges of a full son in that family. Do you see the father's heart? 
bring the robe, bring the ring, put sandals on his feet. At that stage, he would have been barefoot. He would have sold everything he had so that he could live, right? He had journeyed barefoot all the way to his father's house. And in those days, slaves did not wear sandals. Sandals were a sign of a free man. And so he says, bring these sandals. Put them on my son's feet. He's free. He's not to be a slave. Do you see what this father's doing? And then, to cap it all, he says, bring the fattened calf. Now, those days, they didn't go to the supermarket. We run off and we say, we're going to buy some barbecue. We're going to... They didn't have that, so they had to fatten up a calf and keep that calf there. Now, I saw a little cartoon on the internet, and there was this calf welcoming the sun back, and the calf saying to itself, I think I know what's coming. <laughs> but you see, this calf would be slaughtered, and it would be put out there for the guest of honor. And so he says, slaughter that calf we've been feeding. We are going to celebrate, because my son, who was dead, culturally, religiously, is now alive. That father didn't think he'd see his son again. My son who was lost in the wilderness, think of the other parables Jesus was just telling them, my son who was lost in the wilderness is now found. We will celebrate. And so they start their celebration. Isn't that amazing love? Jesus is speaking about a relationship between God the Father and lost sinners. Do you see what he's doing? And one of those lost sinners is you and I. We need to be thinking about how great the love of our Father is. And then you always get a but. There's the older boy. And I've called this rebuttal. Now, if you didn't hear the word, if you don't know what the word rebuff means, it means to very rudely turn something down. Alright? You've learned your new word for today. Rebuttal. And it's an R. Bonus. He hears this party. Now, Jesus is, is telling this bit of the parable and he's specifically looking at the Pharisees. They know, they're listening, they don't want to hear this. Because every story had its sting, its point that it was going to. And Jesus wants to teach them, and yet he's going to teach them in a gracious manner. This older son comes in. He hears the party about this party and he sends in a servant. Note that he doesn't go in himself. I want you to note, get the clues about the relationship this older son has with the father. It's not a good one. It's strange. He goes, he sends a servant in and he says, what's the party about? Find out. So his son comes out and he says, the younger sons come back. Fantastic. They're celebrating. Come. And the son says, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going. Can you see him standing out there? No. Nah. So his father comes out and pleads with him. I love that. The father leaves his guests and all the son, and he comes out, and he pleads, Son, everything I have is yours, my son. Come, join us. Your brother has come back. He's found. That's good news. You love your brother, right? Right? Maybe not. Do you see the strange relationship? Because look at what the son says. This son of yours, that's not my brother, the son of yours has come back. And yet, Dad, you don't even give me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. Never mind a calf. 
And then my brother who goes and squanders everything, he goes off and comes back and you give him the calf. That's not fair. Now, in first reading, I also thought, hmm, that's maybe a bit not fair. But you pick up this relationship that there's this boy who doesn't love his father. He's working for his father because he has to, because there's an inheritance coming down the line. He's working for his father and he thinks because he works for his father that now he's being loyal. Being right with your father because of works. You're starting to pick up what Jesus is saying. You see, what were these Pharisees doing? They were the supposed religious leaders of the nation. They were the ones who were supposed to show the people the love of the Father. They, they were supposed to be the ones who were experiencing the love of the same Father and yet they didn't understand. They were going through the religious motions and they were doing it all by good works, thinking, I will be saved by that. I will be saved because I'm a Jewish leader. I will be saved because I am serving God in this most holy way and everyone can see I'm doing it. I will be saved. They didn't understand about relationship, love of a father to them as well. And so this father pleads with his son. He says, come son. This brother of yours who was dead is now alive. The one who was lost is now found. Come and celebrate with us. And then he finishes. He doesn't end the story. He leaves it open-ended. Why? There's a very good reason for it. Because he draws the hearer in. He draws you and I in. And you and I, if you've heard this parable today, you are in that ending too. How will you end it? In other words, are you like one of the Pharisees? Working and by your good works for God you think you'll be alright? Or are you like a lost son who knows that there is love to be found in a father and who has come and asked and pleaded for mercy and received mercy and had the cloak put on you and had the ring of sonship put on you? You see, we are drawn in. And so we get to the so what of this parable to you and I. And I want to address you and I as fellow brothers and sisters of mine. If you are a Christian here today, here is the challenge on your heart and on mine. We've heard testimony from Betty this morning of how God has come into her life where she didn't expect to be and given new life. Well, maybe you have strayed from your father. Maybe your relationship with your father is not what it should be this morning. You come here to church, we look at you, we greet you, it's all smiles, but on the surface, it's not quite the same thing as what's happening inside. You know that your relationship with, with your father is not what it, what it should be. And maybe, even though you've got the smile on your face, maybe you've reached rock bottom. And you're in the dark hole there with the pigs. Well, the good news for you this morning is, the father says, come to me. Just come to me. I will run to you. I will pour out my grace and my mercy on you. Experience His grace. His mercy and love when you do not deserve it. Just come to Him. You need to come to Him. You need to get up and go to your Father. You need to no more cover your shame and your disappointment with this veneer of carefree carefreeness before your Father. Just come to Him. Repent. 
And he will forgive you. Don't try to earn his favor. Don't try to work and think that that will help you. Rely on his grace alone. And you will experience it. And if you're not a Christian here today, if you've never experienced the grace of God in your life, if you're still out there in that distant land, you're without God in your life, then this is the message to you this morning. And it's not from me, it is from God as He speaks through His Word to you this morning. I want you to listen to this. You've heard about the Father's love for you. You've heard about what He can do for others. Now He wants you to come to Him. And don't delay, come to Him today. When you hear His voice, come to Him while you can. Because His voice might not come to you forever. There's a time for repentance and then that time is over. Come while the door to God is open to you. Don't think I will come tomorrow. Come when you hear His voice. And what you will find if you come to this Father, you will find forgiveness. It doesn't matter what your life's been like up to now. You will find forgiveness. He will separate your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. We read about that this morning. He'll take them away. You will experience love in your life like you've never experienced before. Not from the people necessarily, but from God Himself. He will, you will experience a tangible love. You will know that you belong to God. You will know that He will do this for you, not just for this lifetime, but forever. But you need to come. It's no use just hearing the words. You need to come to the Father. I can't say it stronger than that. I can't plead with you any more than that. And as a pastor, I plead with you this morning. Come to God and be saved. He will do it. But come. And then you and I, are we being Pharisees this morning? When you look around you at your work situation and you see colleagues who do not yet know you, when you look around you in your family and you see family who do not yet know the Lord or who have drifted from Him, what is your attitude as a believer? Ah, that'll be right. Does they deserve it actually. Grinch. You see, God says we are to have tender hearts. We are to have such tender hearts that others see the love of Jesus Christ in us and they are attracted to Him. So do we go to them? Do we continue to show Christian love to them? Do we point them to Jesus Christ? Do I even just pray for my unbelieving co-workers? Do I pray? Have I got a softness for sinners? Or am I like these Pharisees? What's He doing with sinners? Does your heart show that? Do you plead for the lost? Have you still got that in you? If you don't, remember the love that God showed you when you ran away from Him. He fetched you. He drew you to Him. He gave you new life. And then... Show that love to someone else. Let's pray.
Lord, too soon we forget this amazing love that you showed us when we were rebels against you. And yet, you cut through all that rebellion and you drew us to yourself through your Holy Spirit. And there came a day when we heard something, when we saw something, and it drew us to God. There came a day when we might have been in that pit of depression, in that pit of loneliness and self-pity. And right there, you found us. You drew us up out of the pit. And you put us on a rock. You showed us love. God, you ran to us. You put your arms around us. You forgave us of our sins. You gave us new life. We are now sons and daughters of God. Lord, help us not to be blinded now to those around us who still are without you. Give us a heart for the lost. And only you can do that in us, Lord. And then, Lord, give us the hands and the feet to be the love of Jesus Christ to those people. May we see people around us with the eyes of Jesus Christ. May we love sinners for the sake of your kingdom. Use us in this little patch that you've given us in Wanganui. Use us so that your name will be glorified as sinners come to you and us saved. Use us, we pray. Lord, I pray for any here that still do not know you. They've heard your pleading voice come to them today. The opening is there for them. Lord, I pray that your Spirit will guide their feet and their hearts to come and be saved by a gracious and a forgiving and a loving God. May they come this morning, I pray. Amen.